Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. I think today, more than ever, we're being bombarded about just living life on our own terms and doing life in our own way. We're trying to be free from the nine to five. We're, we're trying to have a shorter work week. We're trying in every way possible to stop working altogether. I think that we tasted something during the pandemic that kind of gave us an indication of what life might be like. And for a while, it it felt really good, and many of us said, wow, you know, maybe if this could just be the way that I live my life, it would be amazing. And I get that, and I think that sometimes we can get stuck in a mindset that shows us more of what we want, but less of who we are. And I mean that sometimes what we want isn't who we actually are meant to be. What we're actually meant to do and how we're meant to do it. And sometimes when we don't have those things fall into place, we just kind of wonder, where is God in all of this? And, and how is he not with me and opening doors for me and providing and giving me the breakthroughs that I need in this life? And I believe that the Israelites were living this in their own every day. We know that for 40 years they tried to make their way out of the wilderness and, and an entire generation of funerals had to take place before the next generation could inherit the promise. Sometimes we have to see the generation before us not make it before we're the generation that does. Sometimes the promise is given to the previous generation, but the one who inherits it is the next one. I don't know where you stand, but I just see it this way. The previous generation is whoever came before me in my own life. And I am the generation now that is going to inherit the promise. And so I don't know who it is in your life that did something along the way that didn't get you to the place where you wanted to be and where the place where you are today is not the place that you recognize as where it is that you're going to inherit the promise, but I don't want you to think about it that way. I want you to think about it this way, that this is a turning point in your life. This is your crossing. People have often asked me, like, why do we have this name River's Edge? I mean, we're nowhere near a river. Doesn't make any sense, but there was a time when I was praying about starting this community of faith and, and asking God for the name for it. And, and I came across this passage in my time with God. And, and the river's edge speaks of the crossing. It, it, it speaks of the continual crossing that we're experiencing day into day, into day, into day. It's about this crossing that always has to happen. And, 
and the way that God is faithful to always part the waters before us. In fact, in, in Joshua chapter 3, verse 15, it says this, that it was the harvest season and the Jordan was now overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the Bible tells us that the waters finally parted. And they parted and they were able to walk on instantly dry ground, on dry ground. The, the riverbed, which is supposed to be wet and impossible to cross, especially in a flood season, they were able to cross it because it was dry, not just because the waters had parted. And I think about that, and I think that sometimes there are obstacles in our way, but what God does is that he doesn't just remove the obstacle, he prepares the ground. And I often ask God, God, I don't want you to just remove the obstacle, but I want you to prepare the ground so that I can cross. I'm asking you for two things here. I'm asking you to part the obstacle, get it out of my way, but I'm also asking you for dry ground. Now, when you ask God for those two things, then you are referring to promises that he has made, to miracles that he has already done before. The thing about Joshua is that he's the second leader to lead the Israelites, the first being Moses, and Moses being the one who first parted the Red Sea. But now the way that God is telling Joshua to part the Red Sea is different. Moses had his staff, but the staff has now been put inside something greater. The staff was great, and it was held by, by God's prophet. But now the staff is, is held within the ark. And the ark is no longer a symbol of the prophet. It is a symbol of God himself. And if we are to follow someone and believe that someone can part the waters for us, it is then that often we find ourselves still wandering and unfortunately not entering into our promise. But the moment that we believe that God is the one who goes before us, and everything that we need is God, then all of a sudden, the waters can part. And I love the fact that, that when this happens, Joshua now takes on an even greater stature in the eyes of the people. The people now look at Joshua the way that they looked at Moses. The Bible says that they began to fear Joshua, which was to be in reverence and in, and in awe of how God was with Joshua in the same way that God had been with Moses. And it was because they had seen a miracle. I think when we see people succeed, we look at them and we say, that's the breakthrough that I need. And so I'm going to follow this person to experience the same breakthrough. I'm going to take the teaching that they have and try to implement that and put that in my life so that I too can have my breakthrough and cross on dry ground. But when we put a person before God, then all we're doing is just creating an idol instead of following the true God. And what God wants is for us to have what is true, what is real, what is evidently powerful enough to lead us to wherever it is that we need to be and, and whoever it is that we need to become. But that can't happen if we're following someone 
It has to be that we're following God. Now, I don't mean to say that they shouldn't have followed Moses, and I don't mean to say that they shouldn't have followed Joshua, but it seems that the people were always looking to who was leading them instead of who was behind the leader. And I think that when we forget who's behind the leader and we forget that who we're truly following is never the leader but the God behind the leader, then that's when we fail and that's when we falter. And that's why the people just kept losing sight of, of what the crossing was supposed to be like and what it should have been like for each and every one of them. I want to talk to you about the memorials that they needed to set up because this is really the focus of this message. The focus of the message is the 12 stones and each stone being represented by each tribe member who went into the riverbed and brought the stones out and placed them on the shore. That's the story that most of us know. But did you know that there were also 12 stones that were set up in the river? You see, I don't know why no one talks about this, but, but I find that it's, it's, it's impossible to miss when you read the scriptures. They, they don't just set up 12 stones on the shore. They set up 12 stones in the middle of the river. And the reason they do this is because there needs to be, for sure, a memorial on the shore. And this memorial on the shore, the Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, it says that the men did as Joshua had commanded them, and they took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua to do. And then they carried them to the place where they camped for the night, and then they constructed the memorial there. And the Bible tells us that when they built this memorial on the shore, they had to take large stones, like they had to be significant, large enough, it says, that they had to be carried on their shoulder. So it was a large stone, and 12 of them would be the memorial to which God, of course, is telling them, I want my people to never forget this crossing. But then there was also a memorial in the river. And this is the one that I'm shocked about that most people don't know about and, and I don't hear a lot being spoken of when people talk about this story. Because the memorial in the river is just as important as the one that's on the shore. See, Joshua set up another pile of 12 stones and he did so in the middle of the Jordan. And it was at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they are there to this day. Now, why would the waters then return back to their place? And why would the stones that are in the middle of the water get covered for no one to ever see? But yet there'd be stones for everyone to see that would be on the shore. And, and it dawned on me that what God was basically telling the people of Israel is that you're going to have an option in your life to be one of two stones. And to have one of two experiences. One is going to be in the river, hidden and covered for no one to see. And another one is going to be on the shore. And what he was saying is that there were some people who never got to cross this river. And they're the ones that are symbolized by the 12 tribes who never got to cross. And they're buried. 
See, they're buried by the flood waters again. They're buried in the Jordan. The Jordan is forever a symbol of those who didn't make it. But God says, I don't want you to be those people. I want you to be the ones that are on the shore. I don't want you to be the ones who almost made it. I want you to be the ones who made it all the way. And he says, my promise isn't for you so that you don't get to the other side. My promise is to make sure that you do. And so I think about that, and I think about that in my life, and I think about all the ways that, that God is, is, is telling me that he wants to give me the fulfillment of his promise, and yet there's so many ways that I just keep sabotaging it and jeopardizing that and making it difficult for God to actually get me to the other side. There's things that I keep doing to disobey God that enables me to, instead of having my memorial on the shore, it's in the middle of the river where no one can see it. And over and over again, I wonder, God, where is it in my life that I've been so disobedient to you, where I'm being disobedient to you right now, where instead of erecting stones on the shore, I'm doing so in the middle of the Jordan River. I've got answers for myself, and that's between me and God. I don't know what your answers are, but that's between you and God too. But I believe that this story is speaking to us about both things. Speaking to us about the stones in the middle of the river and the stones that are supposed to be on the shore. And so the story is both a promise, but it's also a warning. And the warning is, is the part that we often miss in the story because I'd, I'd rather talk about the promise. I don't want to hear warnings. I don't know about you. I, I, I don't care about the warnings. I just want to experience the good stuff. I don't want to be warned about the bad stuff. But God has to do both. And the reason he puts this on the shore is so that everyone who knows that these rocks are on the shore can also know that there are rocks in the river. So every time you're on the shore and you've crossed over and you talk about that moment where God gave you your turning point, where he gave you your breakthrough, there's also moments where you from the shore can also look and see yourself in the river when you didn't cross over, where there's monuments there to the 12 things that maybe didn't get you across. There's something beautiful about that. I, I know it's sad. I, I know it speaks of death and judgment and condemnation and shame and there's an embarrassment that comes with looking into the river and not seeing it, but, but that's not where God wants you to focus. He wants you to focus on the shore, not in the river. He wants the river to be a warning. He wants the shore to be your promise. And he wants you to look at the river and remember the times in which you didn't cross over. Are those moments clear in your life? <laughs> like, you know, the times that you know you just didn't do things the way you were supposed to? Aren't those things a little clear now to you? They should be. Why? Because I believe you have crossed over because you find yourself on the shore. And when you look back, you're able to look at what your life looks like when you're looking at the memorial on the shore, but it also speaks to you of the times in which 
you were in the river. I, I, I don't know about you, but God is constantly reminding me of those times in the river. I, I mean, constantly in a good way, not in a bad way. I think, I think, I really believe that, that the devil does it in a bad way. He does it so that, you know, we, we never are free from that. But when God reminds us, it's because he's asking us to look from the shore of the memorial where the stones are speaking to us of how we've already crossed over. Think of the progress that you've already made in your life. Think of the steps that you've already taken. Think of how things have improved and have changed. You're, you're not the same person you were yesterday and the day before that. Yeah, there's still work to be done. And yes, there are times when we regress and times when we find ourselves repeating some of the, the habits and the patterns of the past. But, but overall, I know because God is with you that you are improving, that you are progressing. And so God always wants us to be aware of those two situations, the one in the river, but the one that's also on the shore. And he wants you to then take stock of your life and to take a deep and transparent and authentic gaze into both of those situations and say, where are you right now? Are you the 12 stones in the river or are you the 12 stones on the shore? Well, in Deuteronomy in chapter 11 and in verse 31, it says, that you are about to cross the Jordan River. And he tells the people that you're about to take over the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And when you take that land and you are living in it, he then says that this passage is really about us understanding what he's doing here. He says, I'm giving you, and then you're going to live in it. And so God promises to give it to you so that you can live it. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that God is giving it to you so that you can live it? If you don't believe that, and here's what's going to happen, you're going to keep living your life like you're in the river instead of on the shore. And so the way that they got to experience the memorial on the shore was being able to cross over the reason people didn't get to experience that and were buried in the desert instead is because they kept wanting to go back, thinking that what was behind was going to be greater than what was ahead. That what was behind them was going to be better than what was before them. And so then in Deuteronomy 12, in verse 10, it says this, but you will soon cross the Jordan River, and then he says you're going to live in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and then what is he going to do? He's going to give you rest from all your enemies, and you're going to live safely in the land. Oh, well, there's a problem with this because a lot of us don't understand what happens when they cross the Jordan, but when they cross the Jordan, their first enemy is the most fortified city in Canaan, and it's Jericho. And so when God gives you a promise like this, 
Well, we assume that what's happening now is that we've been through it. It's been really hard. Thank God we didn't end up in the river. That's not where we are. We're on the shore. God has given us a promise. But then the next test is Jericho. The city with the tallest and the widest walls. And they are the next enemy that needs to fall before they can continue to take possession of the promise. Now think about where it is that you are in relation to your promise. And understand this, that the stones are always a memory, a reminder, a memorial to God's faithfulness. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to have more battles. It doesn't mean that there isn't going to be another challenge. But what it does mean is that God's promise is still true. And that if he promises that you can not only cross into the land, but live in it, he then promises that you can have peace in it and prosperity in it as well. And so whatever the challenge is in front of you, God is saying, I'm going to be with you in that as well. I don't know what's the next challenge that you're facing. What's the next thing that is in front of you? You've just crossed over, and you're thanking God that you made it, that you've had your breakthrough, but you also have to prepare for the next thing. Because there's always going to be the next thing. Because the promise isn't going to be for us to inherit this earth but it's going to be to inherit him who is the kingdom of this earth. And his kingdom of this earth is unlike any other kingdom. We're not going to have the peace that we seek on this earth, but what we are going to have is the peace of the kingdom that is ruled by Jesus in our hearts regardless of the conflict in all the kingdoms of this world. See, he's telling us that we need to be aware of what is coming next. It's both a warning and a promise. And that's why it says in Deuteronomy 27, 2 to 3, it says that when you cross the Jordan River and then you enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, I want you to set up some large stones. And then he says, I want you to coat them with lime or with plaster. And I want you to write this whole body of instruction on them. So everything that was given to Joshua as an instruction for the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant, that as soon as their feet would touch the water and as soon as they would reach the middle, the waters would part. And then the instructions of the 12 stones being placed in the riverbed, just like the 12 stones would be taken from the riverbed and put on the shore. All of those instructions were to then be put on the memorial that was on the shore. And it says, when this whole body of instruction has been put, when you cross the river to enter the land your God is giving you, look at what he says. It's going to be a land that is flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. But why is there another battle? 
There's another battle because there is always someone who doesn't believe in God. There's someone who doesn't follow by the rules of his kingdom. There's someone who isn't working with God, but is working with the God of this earth, which is, which is in many ways Satan. Yes, God is, is the one who's in control, but, but there are many people who allow themselves just to be governed by evil. And as a result of that, there's always going to be a battle. And there's always going to be something that we're going to have to be protected from. And so what God is telling them is that the battles are going to continue, but I want you to also be aware of this truth, so will your covering of protection. Your battles are going to continue, but so will my covering. Yes, it will continue, but so will I. And so everything that you're going to face, I can get you out of. I can get you through. I can help you to cross over. And so I don't know what is the battle that you're facing right now. And you think, but I just came through a battle. Why do I have to go through yet another one? Well, God is saying, my promise hasn't changed. See, I have to keep reminding myself of the, of the power of that promise. I have to believe that no matter what I'm facing, what I'm going through, that the power of that promise hasn't changed. That God is still faithful to fulfill it in my life. And, and I don't know if you realize this or not, but the book of Ephesians is a beautiful book because it's, a, it's, a, it's the reflection of, of the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. See, the, the Old Testament book, Joshua, speaks of how they're going to take possession of the land. But Ephesians talks about how we are going to take possession of the things of the Spirit. And so the reason that we turn to the book of Ephesians is because it reminds us of the work that still needs to be done when it comes to understanding how the promise is fulfilled. Yes, God gives you the land to take possession of, but he also gives you the spirit for which you can continue to battle. And so in Ephesians chapter 6, and verses 10 to 11, it says this, a final word, I want you to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I want you to put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Now, does it sound like the devil is going to ease up? Does it sound like he's just going to leave you alone and, and give up because, well, you're a child of the promise and because you put your faith in the promise? Does it sound like you're not going to have another challenge and another battle and another crossing? Does it sound like he's just going to leave you alone? It doesn't, not for a second. And that's why the armor of God is so important because he's saying, I want you to understand how all of it works together in covering you because the battles will continue, but so will my covering. My covering will always be on you so that you can fight every battle and that you can still inherit every promise. 
You see, it's not the battle that you need to be concerned about, it's whether or not you're covered with his armor. See, the battle is promised in the same way that his covering is. He's saying the battles will keep coming, but I want you to be covered so that you can fight and overcome every battle and you can inherit every promise. I don't want your life to be a set of stones in the river. I want your life to be a set of stones on the shore. And I want the word of God that is inscribed on those stones to be inscribed on your life. And then when you talk about how God has been faithful, you can talk about how you are still on that shore. And when every time you go back, you can look into the river and you can say, that used to be my life. That used to be me. That used to be the way I saw things and understood things. I often found myself in flood season being buried, unseen and unheard. I found myself in the depths, but now I'm visible on the shore. And I'm declaring his promises of his faithfulness. And even though I have more battles to fight, and even though there is a Jericho before me, if I can cross this river, and if God can part these waters, he can do it again. And he can do it every time I need it, no matter what the situation and the circumstances are. You see, God is ready to do it again every time that you need it. Do you need it in your life tonight? Are you going to need it in your life tonight? Are you going to leave it in, in your life tomorrow? Are you going to need it? I believe that you will. And so every time you need it, God is able to part those waters again. And he is going to give you the opportunity to build your memorial on the shore. So when you look at it, you're going to be able for generations to come to talk about how faithful God has been. Not just you, but the generations that follow you because you will have told them the story. In Joshua, it ends with this passage in chapter 4, verses 21 to 24. It says that Joshua then said to the Israelites, in the future, your children are going to ask, what do these stones mean? And then he says, then you can tell them. You can tell them that this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Do you see what Joshua is doing here? He's telling them that, that God's promise is going to continue for generations. Saying so that this story isn't going to just stop with you. It's going to be told to your children and their children. Can we say amen to that? Are you guys ready to see that kind of fulfillment, that kind of promise fulfilled in your life? Where it's, it's generational blessing. I don't know what kind of generational life you've lived so far. I don't know what the past has been like. And maybe the, the past is symbolized with the stones that have been erected in the middle of the river and they're covered and they cannot be seen. But God is saying, that's not going to be you. Anybody else saying it's not going to be me? Anybody else saying it's not going to be me? I'm not going to be the stones in the riverbed. I'm going to be the stones on the shore. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? That that is not going to be me? I'm going to be the stones on the shore 
that people will talk about for generations to come. See, that's what God wants for you. And that's what you've got to believe for yourself. Otherwise, we end up like the stones in the river instead of the stones on the shore. I don't want to live the warning. I want to live the promise. I don't want to fulfill the warning. I want to fulfill the promise. I want that to be spoken of for generations to come. Let that be your life as well. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.